Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning, Horizon Church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Can you believe that Easter is less than a month away. I, I don't know, like it just kind of, it's sneaking up on me, like, oh my goodness, I have so many plans to make, but let me tell you, I've taken care of the most important details, and my granddaughter already has her Easter basket picked out, and everything that it needs to go in it, and I know before my kids start complaining in the chat, they will get something too, but... Let's be honest, it's all about the granddaughter this year. So Easter is coming, and just as we were talking about that, I just wanted to remind you that something that we really like to talk about here at Horizon is who is that person that you are praying for that doesn't yet know Jesus? Who is that plus one, that person that you would invite and give them an opportunity to maybe hear the gospel for the very first time? And Easter is a great opportunity to invite someone to hear the gospel message. So whether you're going to be watching online or we're really praying that we'll be able to do it in person, maybe you want to ha- host a watch party. And if you're allowed, wherever you're watching from, have some friends come and watch it with you in your home. Maybe if you're watching online Easter Sunday, you can tag somebody, you can invite them to join you for the Easter service in person. Just be thinking and praying more than anything. I want you to be praying and asking the Lord, Jesus, who is that plus one? Who is that person that you want me to take a step of faith and be bold and invite to join for Easter Sunday? So just be thinking about that and praying about that over the next couple weeks, because like we said, Easter will be here before you know it. Now, this morning, we are going to continue on in our series in Nehemiah. And I don't know about you, but I have really been enjoying uh, the series. And if you have missed the last couple weeks, can I encourage you, please go back and listen. I've gone and I had to listen to some of them twice because there were so many great nuggets in each of those messages. And I really believe that this is a message that God is speaking to us in this time and in this season speaking to us about rebuilding, speaking to us about recognizing the tactics of the enemy and and overcoming those things. You know, there's so many things that as we come out of this pandemic season, and I do believe we are coming out of it, I feel like the light is finally beginning to shine at the end of the tunnel. And as we come out of this past season we've been in, we want to enter the next season successfully with all of the tools and all that God has been wanting to work through us in these last 12 months. So go back and listen to some of these messages because I really believe it's a timely prophetic message to us right now in this season. So the book of Nehemiah is a story in the Bible, a true story. It was written about 2,600 years ago. And you know, Nehemiah had a pretty good life. He was a servant, but he was the cupbearer to the king. So in the levels of a servant, he actually had a pretty comfortable position. And in that place of relative comfort and ease and a position of influence, God began to speak to him about a need that he knew Nehemiah could meet. 
God began to highlight for Nehemiah that, you know what, I'm going to call you to leave this place of comfort and to step into something that's not as comfortable and is going to be hard. But if Nehemiah was willing to follow the Lord, God was going to lead him through the hard choices into seeing victory. When I was preparing this week, I was looking at the the topic uh, Craig preached from Nehemiah chapter 4 last week, and the subject title is Enemies Oppose the Rebuilding. And then I was getting ready to study for this week, and we're in chapter 6, and the, the subject title is Continued Opposition to the Building. I thought, wow, this is so encouraging. <laughs> but isn't it so true that, you know, we often think that, okay, we've overcome the first test, so that must mean that I'm almost done, and the testing and the trials and the, the assignment of the enemy is going to diminish or stop. But when you continue to move forward, often the opposition is still there. And don't think that the opposition will stop just because you've seen a portion of victory. You know, um, Last week, Pastor Craig was talking about choosing your hard. And I was, I mean, again, like, oh, wow, great. I get to choose hard or harder. Where's the third option in this? But we often don't have that. And I think many of us in this season have been faced with that. You know, marriage is hard. But divorce is also hard. College is hard. But so is living on minimum wage. Forgiveness is hard. But so is living with that pain and the brokenness that comes from unforgiveness. Sobriety is hard. But the grip of addiction is hard as well. And sometimes rebuilding means choosing your hard. And sometimes the enemy is so obvious in his tactics of, here I am, I'm going to stop you, I'm going to try and stop you, like Pastor Craig was talking about last week. But sometimes he comes against us in a more covert fashion. And it's not always so obvious. And sometimes those are the ones that are easiest to miss. You know, last week Craig mentioned um, putting up the baseboards in the home. and Or not baseboards, but doing the demolition. And can I just say, he is right. He is really good at demolition. I'm not sure what that says, but he really enjoys it. I, we've done so many home renovations, taking the hammer to knock out the cabinets and ripping up the floor and pushing down walls. He really enjoys that, and he's really good at it. He's also, not just to leave it there, but he is really good at putting things back together. But we do have this joke in our home. You know the home is about to go up for sale when we put the baseboards in. Anybody else? Put your hand in the chat. Is that you? You get your renovations like basically done almost to the point of completion. And then you're like, yeah, I I totally intend to do that. And then all of a sudden it's six years later and we're getting ready to move and it's time for the baseboards to go up. That's kind of what I feel like we're looking at in Nehemiah chapter six. Because when we begin reading in verse one here, it says, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, they found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet hung the doors in the gates. So it's basically done. It's almost there. It's 90% finished. And how many of us at that point in our life, whether we're rebuilding, whether we're moving forward in something, whether we're pursuing the Lord, we get almost there and then we let off the gas. And I feel like that's what the temptation in this moment could have been for, uh, for Nehemiah. We fully intend to put those baseboards back up. 
We fully intend to finish that college degree that we're almost finished, we're almost there, but we slow down or we lose that sense of urgency right at the last minute. But you know, if we make a shift from focus to complacency, we open ourselves up to the delay of distraction, which will keep us from finishing the project like those baseboards that just look so great when they're actually completely done. Because you see, there's the overt attack of the enemy, but also if he can distract us from finishing what we're supposed to finish, he still wins. He doesn't have to take us out completely. He just has to distract us long enough. God keep us from the idol of it's good enough. How often have you found yourself saying, oh, it's good enough. It's almost there. We're almost done. We almost finished exactly what we were supposed to do. God help us from settling for good enough. You know, I'm so thankful that Nehemiah in this situation, he didn't take that approach. He remained focused until the very end. He knew what he was called to do, and that was to rebuild the walls completely. And to be completely built, it meant the doors had to be hung. He'd repaired all of the places where it had been torn down. The wall was completely done, but there were still openings where the doors were not hanging. You know, the enemy of, of Nehemiah, of God's people, never thought that Nehemiah would get this far. They thought that this was an impossible task, but Nehemiah continued to remain focused until it was completely done. I'm sure at this point, the enemies of Nehemiah are thinking, you know what? It's now or never. We need to throw everything we can because we didn't think you were going to get this far, Nehemiah. So what have we got left? What are the tools that we have left? And I'm sure as they saw the writing on the wall, they're thinking, okay, we tried mocking him. That didn't work. We tried threatening. That didn't work. What are we going to do to stop the people of God? And as the enemies of Nehemiah and of God's people were faced with this moment, they began to change their strategy. They've tried everything else, and it's kind of like that Hail Mary moment, what are we going to do? And in that moment, Nehemiah doesn't get distracted. He stays focused with determination because, see, he understood the cost of it's good enough. He understood that if he didn't hang those gates and get the doors completely closed, the enemy would continually have access to God's people. And we don't want to allow those doors to be open. Can I encourage you this morning? You may think, I'm doing so great. I've got all the walls built. I've been working on my stuff. I've been recognizing the issues that I have in my own life. And then you get to that point where you're almost there and you let off the gas because you're like, you know what? It's good enough. Don't stop this morning. Don't quit. You know, I was thinking about it and it's been my experience that oftentimes, just before we have that breakthrough moment, just before we get the final pieces put into place, that's when the attack of the enemy just seems like it's the hottest. And it's in that moment that we often give up because we're like, you know what, we've done pretty well, we've come pretty far, so let's stop now. I was reminded as I was preparing of, it was not long before we, Craig and I began the process of becoming lead pastors at Horizon Church, and 
it was a tough season. There was a lot going on. Um, my dad had Alzheimer's. He was young when he first was diagnosed. But in that season, just as we were looking at transitioning and trying to feel, uh, figure out what God would have for us, my dad's Alzheimer's got really bad, and he wasn't able to look after himself anymore. My grandma, my dad's mom, also um, began to deteriorate in her body, and they had no family or close friends that were able to look after them. So I'm living over here, and I'm having to drive over to Vancouver Island once, twice a week, spending so much time trying to help them get their banking in order, get arranged food and care and all these different things, doctor's appointments. In addition to that, our kids are still trying to get established here. We'd moved over, and they were bu- making new friendships, building new places of, 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 of relationship. The job that Craig was working in in construction was kind of starting to come to an end, so I had also started working in this time. And there were all of these distractions. And in the midst of all of this, we had been pastors, we had been in ministry at different capacities for almost 20 years And now we've spent the last couple years not in ministry. And you know what? In this season of distraction, and some of these distractions were good distractions, my dad needed someone to look after him, and I was able to step into that place. But there was so much going on, and I could have in that moment, I remember times in conversations, Craig and I, like, you know what? Let's forget about ministry. We're just going to be the best volunteers at whatever church God has us at. And there's nothing wrong with that. On some days, that sounds like an amazing option. But if we had have walked away from what we knew God had called us to in that season, because of the distractions of everything else going on around us, we would have missed out on so much. I would have missed out on friendships that I have today because of the ministry opportunities that God's opened ahead of me. I would not have grown in areas that I've grown in in the last six years if I had not have said yes to the call of God in my life in that moment. I remember we lived up in Clayton Heights. It was late at night. We'd come back from a meeting. I was completely overwhelmed. And I'm walking by myself. I'm crying out loud. I'm sure people are thinking, like, what is going on with this woman? But I was It was trying to fight off that anxiety attack of wrestling in my spirit, knowing that God had more for me, but I couldn't work it out in my mind how I was going to get through this difficult season. I couldn't work out how I was going to get through the hard things that kept coming against me and trying to distract me and pull me away from what God wanted. And in that moment, as I cried out to the Lord, it wasn't long after. Can I tell you, it didn't get easy right away. The distractions didn't stop right away, but I knew in my spirit as I cried out to the Lord that he said, I've got you, and I'm going to get you through this. You might be this morning, or whenever you're watching this, and you might be saying, Shanda, you said choose your heart. I can't choose either of those hearts because I just don't think I'm going to make it. I really felt this morning as I was preparing that there were going to be some people watching and you're thinking, I'm at that point. I'm at that point where I don't know if I'm going to have a breakdown or a breakthrough. Can I tell you this morning, you could be on the edge of your breakthrough. So don't stop. Keep going. 
keep pushing in. Maybe there's, you think, I've got 80% left to do. But when God's looking at you and he's walking with you this morning, you've just got 10% left. So keep on going. Don't give up. Don't respond to the circumstances around you that might try and tell you and distract you. But you know that God sees you and he knows you and he will get you through. So don't stop going this morning. You know, distraction is one of the main ways that we see the enemy working against Nehemiah in this portion of scripture. And it's so very subtle. In it, we're reading, I'm just going to read from chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet hung the doors in the gates. So Samballat and Geshem sent a message asking for me uh, to meet them at one of the villages in the plains of Ono. Oh no, but I realized, oh no, I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Uh, Why should I stop working and come and meet you? And I love this, that you know, what really stood out to me in, the, in, in this portion right here is that, you know, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, come on, Nehemiah, come on, bro, you've been working so hard. You need a break. It's time for you to come put your feet up. Like, come on down to Ono and let's just put your foot, feet up. We'll give you some tea. We're just going to chill. You, uh, tell us about this wall rebuilding. Tell us about all that you've been doing. But Nehemiah recognized in that moment that they were actually trying to harm him. And they were trying to use the weapon of distraction. What's distracting you this morning? Is it offense? Are you being distracted from what God's called you to by an offense that you're holding towards someone? Is it unforgiveness? Maybe it's confusion. Don't be distracted by fear. Don't be distracted by anxiety. Don't be distracted and keep from calling that person that you're waiting for them to call you. Don't be distracted this morning because you see, distraction is a powerful tool in the hands of the enemy. If he can't take you out at the very beginning of what God's called you to do, like we've seen through Nehemiah to this point, he will try to distract you along the way to keep you from completing what he has called you to do. It's so easy to be distracted. And all it takes is for us to be a little bit distracted, and he wins. I can so easily be distracted from the work that I need to do and the emails I need to answer. I can so easily be distracted. I mean, it's the big things and the little things. I can be distracted from the clothes that I've washed, I've folded, I've put them in the laundry basket, and I've brought the laundry basket upstairs, and then I get 90% done the job and they stay in the basket until I need the basket next week for the dirty clothes to be washed again. Is it just me or is somebody else out there? Those distracting things that can keep us. Can I tell you, I can be working so hard and up on my computer pops the most adorable video of my grandchild learning how to say, ba 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 mom, 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 mom. And in a second, I'm diverted from what I'm supposed to be doing, but I mean, let's be honest, like those are really good distractions, right? Or I can be distracted when I'm just, you know, there's all these things going on and I've got this work to do and then I'm like, 
I could online shop right now. Did you see that flash up in your email that there is a sale on shoes at Zara today? I can be distracted by the games. I can be distracted by the photos. I can be, did I say, you could be distracted by the shopping. There's so many opportunities to be distracted and we hold it in the palm of our hand and we don't often recognize that the distraction, the little things are what the enemy is using to keep us from what we're supposed to be doing. There's so many ways that we can be distracted. And then there's the distractions that we choose. So there's distractions that you're not aware of, and then there's the distractions that you are aware of. Because, let's be honest, sometimes there's things I don't want to do. I don't want to do that laundry. I don't want to take the dog for a walk. I don't want, there's so many things, I'm like, you know what, it's probably more important right now, because I really need some shoes, you know, um, the ones I have right now just aren't working, so I think I might need some new, did I mention new shoes? And so there's things that we can easily choose to distract ourselves with as well. And maybe again, it's just me, but do you find that when you're aware of your distraction, you begin to justify why it's okay for you to be distracted? Oh, you know, Holy Spirit, I know I should be doing my devotions right now, but did you see how great my granddaughter is? I'm sure she needs my time right now. You know what? I think instead of looking at this video, I think I might need to FaceTime her and just let her know how much I love her. Or, you know what? It's been a rough week. Have you not been around my children? I think I deserve the distraction of chilling out on Netflix for a little while or losing myself in a series or, you know, you can fill in the blank of what your distraction might be. So if you find yourself justifying your distraction, then it might be time to dive into some discernment. I saw this quote from Stephen Furtick this week. Focus doesn't make anything go away. It just redirects your attention to what you need what you need to be thinking about, what you need to be looking at, and what you need to be considering. Nehemiah was focused. He was focused on what God had called him to do. He did not let the enemy distract him. Four times, four times the enemy sent that message. Come on, Nehemiah. You must be tired by now. Why don't you come on down? But Nehemiah says in in, in in verse 3 of chapter 6, but I realized, everyone say, I realized. I realized they were plotting to harm me. That's the enemy. He wants to harm you. He doesn't want God's good things. We sang about it this morning, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. That makes the enemy angry. But he wants to harm you, to steal from you, to rob from you. And if he can do that by distracting you, that's where he will put his energy. Jesus said in John, it, it talks about Jesus in John chapter 5. He only did what he saw the Father doing. That's the kind of focus that Nehemiah had. And focus is the kryptonite of distraction. You might be saying, Shanda, what is kryptonite? I have no idea what you're talking about. And all you comic book people out there, don't get angry in the chat because I know I'm probably going to mess this up. I don't have the same details as some of my children would have. But Superman was a comic book character. 
he was good looking. He had all the strength, the man of steel. My husband's at the back with his hands up. Like, obviously we're talking about Pastor Craig, but he was the man of steel. He could do anything he wanted to do. He was faster than a speeding bullet. He had all these abilities, but there was one little thing that he couldn't overcome. And that was kryptonite. It was, in my understanding, a certain kind of rock that had a certain kind of power that robbed him of his ability to overcome. And focus is what we need when we're in the middle of a distraction because focus is the kryptonite to distraction. The one thing that breaks the power of distraction every time is focus. Maybe you find yourself right now facing things that you used to be able to overcome. Maybe you're dealing with some things that never used to hold you back or when they used to hold you back, but that was a long time ago. Could it be possible that you have become distracted and you've lost your focus? See, each one of us, if the enemy can distract God's people, he's won. If we begin majoring on the minor things and minoring on the major things and our focus gets taken away from what God's called us to, the enemy wins. You see, focus on the right thing is the antidote for distraction from the wrong thing. Focus on the right thing keeps me from the distraction of the wrong thing. So how did Nehemiah remain focused? How did he not fall prey to the scheme of the enemy to distract him in that moment? How did he recognize that those attempts to seemingly, they could have seemed seemingly friendly, but they were distractions meant to harm him? You see, Nehemiah had incredible discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them and not according to their outward appearance. We are often deceived by outward appearances. We're often deceived by the things that try to grab our attention that are right in front of us. But Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Nehemiah was persistent in his discernment. Four times that request came, and four times Nehemiah did not allow himself to be distracted. So how do you get greater discernment? How do we have discernment like Nehemiah? You know what? Number one is you have to know the Word of God. If you want to be able to discern the counterfeit, you need to know what real looks like. And the real comes from spending time in God's word. Know the Bible. Know those verses that tell you who you are. Know those verses that tell you that God has a plan for your life. Know those verses that talk about the faithfulness of God. What has he asked you to do? Where has he asked you to serve? Who has he asked you to bless? Don't be distracted by less worthy things. Know who God has called you to be. Discernment can also come as a gift from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a great chapter. It talks about all kinds of gifts that we just have to ask for to access. It, they're all there. They're available. But many of us may know that they're there, but not many of us will actually avail of ourselves of the gift of discernment. If you ask him, he will give it to you. 
In James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask. If you lack discernment, just ask him for it. It's there. It's available for every one of us. There's times where I'm going into a situation and I'm like, God, I do not know how I'm going to navigate my way through this conversation. I don't know how I'm going to navigate my way through this situation. I don't know how I'm going to navigate my way through this friendship. And in that moment, as I pray and I ask the Lord, all of a sudden I get these great ideas. Well, no, I've asked, and he's given me discernment. You know what, Shanda? This is actually what's going on here, so why don't you talk about this or deal with this? And it's available to each and every one of us. After 12 months of isolation and disruption due to a global pandemic, more than ever before, I believe we need discernment in our lives. We need it all the time, but how much more so in this season where many of us, we've been closed off and the only voices we hear are what's on our internet or on our TV. We don't have friends coming over. We don't have family coming over. We're not spending time in church. So we're not hearing the voices and the discernment and the wisdom of other places. And we get in our minds and often we have these arguments and these conversations going on in our head and we get stuck in our head like Craig talked about last week. And we think what we're listening to is true, but it's actually the lies of the enemy. And he just keeps telling us what he wants to kind of try and distract us. So if we don't choose to invite discernment into our life and stay focused on what God's called us to do, we can easily be distracted and taken out. And all of a sudden, a year later, hopefully the pandemic's over. And all of a sudden we look around and we're like, I've missed out on a whole bunch of things because I haven't been listening to what God's been speaking. Can I encourage you this morning? It's time to pray. It is time to press in right before that moment of breakthrough, more than ever before, we need to press in, we need to push through, we need to pray and ask God for the courage that we need to face the distractions in our life. We need to pray and ask for boldness to have some of those tough conversations that we've been avoiding. We need to pray and ask God to give us the discernment that we need to navigate the season that we're in so we can successfully move into what he has for us next. I really believe this morning that God wants to bring an awareness of how the enemy has so subtly been distracting us. To distract us from every good thing that we were passionate about a year ago. From the joy that was in our lives a year ago. To distract us and rob us from getting things finished because it's just good enough. I just want to pause here for a moment. I want you to think about that. What was I passionate about a year ago? that I've totally forgotten about right now? Are there things that you were passionate about? Are there things that you were believing for a year ago that you've forgotten about now? Are there people in your life that you were believing that God was at work in their lives and they were going to come to know Jesus and you've gotten so distracted by everything else going on in your life right now that you haven't even prayed for them for the last little while? I've had moments like that. Moments of just trying to survive. But let's take a moment and ask ourselves some of those questions. What did I have faith for a year ago that I haven't even thought about in the last eight months? And you know, distraction isn't always negative things. Because if you can be busy, if the enemy can keep you busy, even with success, 
you're still being distracted from some of the things that God had for you as well. Can I encourage you this morning that it's time to make a decision to spend some time asking him to search your heart. It's time, I believe, to ask ourselves some tough questions. You know, when I think about that story I told you about for me just before we became lead pastors, at the end of the day, it came down to obedience. And often, that's what distraction will rob from us. Because for me, was I willing to choose the hard thing and to pursue the Lord and ministry, whatever that looked like, even though I had other good things I could be putting my energy into, was I going to be obedient to the call of God on my life? At the end of the day, when I stand before the Lord and he says, you did a lot of great things, but you didn't do the one thing that I really wanted you to do. I don't want to have to face that and be able to have to answer to him, I'm sorry, Lord. I allowed distraction to come in and keep me from what you had for me in that season. So this morning, I have a couple questions. I really hope that you will take the time to ask yourself. Take a moment and ask yourself. You can even do it right now as we're watching. Am I walking with the same passion for the Lord that I did a year ago? Am I living my life with the same focus and positive momentum that I had a year ago? I hope this morning that maybe now you recognize some of the distractions that the enemy has been using against you. Just put a hand up in the chat this morning if you recognize, you know what, there's been some things that have been distracting me from what I know God's called me to. And just in closing, I'm going to take a couple moments to pray for a few specific things this morning. You know, when we talked about focus, I love, it's kind of like the picture that Paul paints for us in Philippians chapter 3. It says, I press on to reach the prize at the end of the race. And it's a picture of a runner that's stretching forward. Think of the Olympics and those runners that just have incredible stamina. And as they come around the final curve and they're competing against one another, they're straining forward. That's the posture we need to have in this season. God, I'm not going to just deal with good enough. I'm not just going to be happy that I finished the race. I'm straining forward from all distraction to receive the prize that you have already chosen for me and laid out for me. So this morning, just before I pray, I also want to acknowledge that there might be some of you watching this morning and you don't really know this race that we're talking about. You don't know the benefit of having Jesus in your corner cheering you on as you come around that final corner. If you have not asked Jesus to be the leader of your life, this morning it's as easy as one, two, three, A, B, C. Acknowledge that you need Jesus. Acknowledge that you need him in your life. Acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you fall short of being the person that he would have you to be. Believe that Jesus was crucified and that he was raised again. And see, confess. All that means is tell Jesus, God, I need you in my life. Would you come and would you save me this morning? 
If that's you and it's the first time you've made that decision, we want to celebrate that with you. Just let us know. You can email us at prayer at horizonchurch.ca. Tell somebody, tell the person that invited you to join this service this morning. Let us know that you've made that decision for Jesus. And then this morning, if you've been willingly and you've chosen to be distracted, you've been maybe avoiding some things that you know God's been trying to highlight, maybe you, that counseling that you started, you're quitting at the last moment just before you get that breakthrough because it's good enough. I've come far enough. If you've been willingly choosing distraction, just put your hand on your heart this morning. And I'm going to pray for you. And all you have to do is, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for choosing to allow distraction to keep me from who you've called me to be. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching this service. Whether it's Sunday morning, Friday night, or Thursday afternoon. Lord, I thank you that in this moment you see each and every individual. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the areas that we've been distracted, the things that we have willingly allowed and the things that we haven't even been aware of that have come in like the enemy to rob us and to distract us and to bring us harm. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to ask ourselves some of those questions of am I still pursuing you like I was a year ago or eight months ago? or two months ago, or two weeks ago. Lord, I pray right now that there will be a moment of revelation in each and every individual. Lord, that their eyes would be open, that their minds would be their own, a safe place where they hear from you and from you alone. God, that they would be able to hear you speaking to them. My son, my daughter, whom I love and who I am so proud of, walk this way. Lord, I pray that individuals would have a boldness come upon them to invite discernment to be a part of their life, that they would boldly ask you to show them where they have wandered from the path that you have laid out ahead of them. Lord, we're so thankful that not only did Jesus die on the cross, but that he rose again so that we could walk this life victorious, no longer victims like Emma talked about in prayer this morning, but more than victorious because of the power of the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we are your children and we can walk in that power this morning in Jesus' name. Today and every day, let's choose devotion to God over distraction. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.